Welcome to the Mission Manhood Podcast, where mature masculinity is celebrated and encouraged. My name is Angela Abide, and I will be your host. Every week or so, I sit down with a man who is in the men's movement, helping men grow and thrive in their masculinity, someone who is exhibiting characteristics of mature masculinity, or someone who has a perspective that might be beneficial for those who are seeking to grow and develop in that area. As a woman, I have a unique perspective as a mother and a therapist, and I hope to contribute to the conversation in those ways. Thank you so much for joining, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, I'm glad you're here. A few months ago, I was attending a community event, and I met a young man and told him about this podcast, and he asked me before we went our separate ways, what do you think? the biggest problem with masculinity is. And that question caught me off guard. And even though I've done a lot of thinking about this in relation to masculine and feminine relationships, I didn't really have an answer for him at that time and probably mumbled something about culture or society. But in my bio on Instagram, I say I help men understand the divine dance of the masculine and feminine so they can heal, grow, and lead. And when I really think about that, the divine dance, the, the culmination or the peak of that expression is sex. And when I spend time thinking about that, it makes me realize that one of the biggest problems in the masculine and feminine dance is our attitude towards sex and how we relate to others in that way. And in my practice, I see that there are a lot of frustrated younger men and a lot of frustrated husbands. Younger men sometimes find it difficult to find a partner to have sex with and men in relationships or in marriage sometimes have a hard time engaging their partner in sexual activity or sexual expression. So when I break that down a little bit, what I'm finding is more and more evidence that pornography is a culprit. And just recently, I did a post that said porn is pervasive, it's predatory, and it's parasitic. And what I mean by pervasive is it's just everywhere and it's really difficult to escape from. What I mean by predatory is even if you're trying to avoid it, even if you're trying to get away from it, even if you're trying to set up firewalls or boundaries in your life, there's something on the other side trying just as hard to break through those. The last thing is it's parasitic and It gets inside of you and it alters your brain chemistry. It becomes an addiction that your body is telling you, your body and mind is believing that it needs more in order to be okay. And the industry itself, just like a true parasite, is oblivious to the health and well-being of the host. This leads me to the question of why. Why is it so important? 
Why is it so important to have so many people captured? What I've come to understand in most areas that I can drive myself crazy trying to figure out the why. And right now, there seems to be so many things to wonder about, to be labeled a conspiracy theorist over. But what I will say is, just like I say with the other things, money is enough. If it is true that money is the root of all evil, then whoever's making money off of this doesn't care about your health and well-being. Because porn is so accessible and so accepted, it's really hard to even realize that there may be a problem with it. When I was a kid growing up in the South, casseroles and fried foods and chips, Pop-Tarts, cereal, that was the standard diet. And so when I became an adult, I didn't see a whole lot of reason to change that. As long as I controlled the amount of food I was eating, I didn't seem to have a weight problem. I think we're conditioned to believe that that's the sort of gold standard. If you're able to fit in your clothes, then what you're eating is probably not a problem. Although I knew that there were people out there talking about sugar and carbs and empty calories, there was a part of me that really didn't even want to know it because I liked the food that I ate and also because it was just super convenient. I didn't want to know because it would be an inconvenience and because I would have to give up something, I'd have to make a sacrifice. But when my child became really ill and was told that he needed to become gluten-free, we had to change everything. Just to be in solidarity with him, I decided that in his presence, I would be gluten-free. I would eat the same diet he ate so that he would not feel so isolated and different. But my idea was that when I was out on my own or if I was having lunch with a friend and he wasn't around, I could have a sandwich or pasta or whatever other foods that I was used to eating. I could enjoy them outside of his presence. But what happened was I started to feel so much better and the brain fog that I'd had for years, especially in the afternoon, seemed to be greatly diminished. Minor aches and pains. I always had a problem with my hip, the sciatica pain, and that seemed to alleviate. And what I came to understand through his illness and through this experiment is that it's likely that gluten was causing a lot of inflammation in my body. And it had really adverse effects on my brain. I couldn't think clearly. And I didn't realize how much I had been affected by my food choices. I didn't realize how diminished my capacity to think was. My health was diminished. And so just by making some minor changes, I started to feel so much better and to operate more efficiently. But still, I was kind of resentful when Christmas came around or Thanksgiving came around and I had to change everything. I mean, it was almost like grief, as crazy as that sounds. I was sad that I couldn't make those old recipes. And when I would try to make substitutions, it wouldn't taste right. So I just eliminated some of those foods and, and picked new food. But what I can tell you now is, to me, the sacrifice is worth it because I feel so much better and I operate at such a higher level. 
For almost two weeks, I've been in Georgia and I haven't been as diligent on my diet and I've slipped up a lot and I've eaten some fried foods and I've eaten a piece of pizza or had the slice of cake and have just gotten really sloppy. And the other day, I just realized I just hit a wall and I'm much more emotional than I usually am. And I don't feel well and I'm dragging. And I notice in the middle of a conversation, I'll lose my train of thought and I'm foggy and I can't remember. So I know it has a definite adverse effect on me. And the reason I'm telling you all this about food is because I don't have a problem with pornography. The reason that food seems like a comparison to me is because all of my life, I've been told that the way I was eating was fine. It was okay. It was good. And if I followed the recommendations of the government, I was doing okay eating all the carbs. And, you know, I was under the programming that sugary cereal was part of a healthy diet. So now every time I go to the grocery store, the first things that I'm confronted with are all those terrible additive, empty calorie, saturated fat, seed oil foods that cause me so much problems. I'm surrounded by that to be healthy and to maintain my health as it pertains to food. I really have to go to the perimeter. And even then, I have to be very diligent and make a lot of sacrifices so that I can enjoy good health. And I believe that's the same with pornography, we live in a world where it's so accessible. It's everywhere. It's everywhere you look, everything is sexualized and it's so normalized. Everyone you know probably uses porn to some degree and it's not looked down on as something bad or wrong anymore, except in certain religious circles. And even then, because it's so accessible, it wouldn't surprise me to find out that A lot of people that even stand on their moral soapbox are secretly engaging in pornography. It's just too easy and it's too delicious, just like the chips and just like the candy is too delicious to resist. The thing that it boils down to really for me is I have to decide with food that I don't want to be a zombie. I don't want to be someone who can't enjoy life fully because of the fuel that I'm putting into my body. And when I look at the dance between the masculine and feminine, pornography is a huge factor. I think it diminishes the ability and the capacity for real men to have a relationship with real women. Men are captured. You've been captured and it's like, the sailors on the ships, and they would pass by the sirens on the rocks. They couldn't resist the beautiful songs of the sirens, and so they would steer the ship over, and their ship would be destroyed by the rocks, and they would die. I believe that porn is the same. It's hard to resist the visual stimulation. It's hard to resist that, and it's so prevalent. And In the last couple of episodes of the Mission Manhood podcast, One was um, episode 38 with Jonathan Corey. I got into a little bit about how when my kids were young, I realized that I lost the battle. I realized that the predators coming 
through the firewall were stronger and smarter. I realized that my kids are smarter than me when it comes to electronics. Even if I did all the right things as far as protecting them on the computer or maybe restricting them from having phones that would connect to Wi-Fi, at some point they would figure out a way around that. In episode 39, I talked to Drew Birch of Buster Rut Today, and he helps men with addiction, but one of the things he focuses on is pornography because it's so prevalent in our society today. And we talked about in both episodes how a man has to be really, really intentional to overcome this. My next episode is an interview with Jessica Garner, and I met her on TikTok. She has a lot of great content on true intimacy and how pornography has programmed people to be terrible lovers. We talk about why there's a lot of confusion and frustration and how it creates false expectations in real relationships. When sex is cheap and easy, whether that's you finding someone who readily agrees to have sexual relations with you, or if it's just cheap and easy in the sense that anytime you go to your room or your bathroom or your closet or whatever, you can pleasure yourself. When it's cheap and easy, it strips the will to try. It's a thief. It takes your vitality away from you. I think in the natural order of things, men are chasing women. They are wondering, what would it take for me, for this woman to agree to have sex with me? It also robs relationships of desire because if a man approaches a woman for sex and she's not interested or it's not the right time or for whatever reason says no, he has the backup of pornography. And what that really does is it it dilutes desire. In the past, when, when a man may be burning with desire for a woman, he would give up. He would continue the chase. He would want to know what it would take to be with her. In relationships between men and women, that vitality is stripped away. A lot of people starting to understand the negative effects of pornography are helping, and there are brotherhoods created around people who are very intentional in trying to abstain or curtail the influence of pornography in their life. Back to the food analogy, I remember not wanting to see. I knew that the food I was consuming was unhealthy, but it was going to take a lot for me to make a change. I was first going to have to acknowledge that it was a problem. I was then going to have to figure out what I could do differently. It was going to be a big inconvenience for me to do something different. It was going to take planning. It was going to take me educating myself. It was going to take me throwing away food that I had in my house. It was going to cause me to have to move away from cheap and easy. And it was going to make me be really intentional to have to prepare and plan. But just like with food, I can feel the life returning to me when I make good choices. I feel healthier. I feel more clear in my mind. My body feels better. I don't feel weak and tired. I feel strong and vibrant. 
it's this kind of intentionality that's going to have to take place to make a decision about porn. If my experience with food is any indication, I would definitely say that it's worth it. It's worth it to feel proud of yourself, to feel in control of yourself, to regain that vitality, to take on the difficult challenge of authentic relationship and what was sex really meant to be. We focus so much on the end, the orgasm, the physical feeling that we forget that sexual intimacy is part of a vibrant, loving relationship. It increases connection and it leads to successful relationships. Two weeks from now, I hope to bring you an episode where we go more into societal expectations, how we've been programmed to do sex or expect sex or engage in sex, and how we can rewrite that and understand what it is that we need and understand the true, deeper purpose of sexual relations and the benefits of true intimacy at that level. I hope this helps you understand where I'm coming from, where we're going, and what I'm hoping to accomplish by opening up these discussions about sex and intimacy and pornography. And as always, I hope that if this triggers a question for you, if you're curious about something, if there's something that you don't understand, that you would send that to me at AngelaAby.com, or you can leave me a message on Instagram at Mission Manhood. It really helps to inform the direction of the show. I would love to answer your questions. And I would love to, for you to be a part of this. 